team. Amen. We've got the man of God preaching to us this week. Brother Huntley. Thank you, Brother Newstrand. Praise the Lord, everybody. God bless you. You may be seated. Sister Christie's going to sing for you momentarily. But let me say how much I am certainly enjoying our stay in Ohio. We've never been more warmly and kindly received and more marvelously treated. The hospitality here has been second to none. And I know that I have enlarged my ministry by preaching the Ohio camp meeting. I must have gained at least 10 pounds. I told your superintendent after a sumptuous meal the other day, I said, we are just about to get fed up with you all. And that's what we've been doing, just feeding up. And we've had a marvelous time. It's great to be around people of God, have opportunity to expand our realm of friendship, and to find out that God's got a great church filled with wonderful people that sincerely love Him. And I'm happy to be a part of it tonight. May God bless Brother Dees and Sister Dees with continued strength and health. Uh, the United Pentecostal Church needs their ministry. And the world needs their ministry. And we younger ministers need the wisdom and direction that we receive from great men like Brother CLDs. I told my wife, I said, you know, I, I never dreamed that I would ever even preach in front of Brother Dees. As a student, I would hardly speak to him because I was scared to death of him. And I just kind of diverted, not that I didn't want to be nice to him, but I was afraid I might not say hello right. You know, there might be a wrong way to say it, and I would discover it. And I never dreamed that I'd be here with him in this camp meeting, and uh, I have gained much by being here in his presence. I'll not take a lot of time tonight, but I'd like to say how much I appreciate Brother Newstrand, Sister Newstrand, such congenial people, some of the finest people uh, I've ever met as far as congeniality and warmth and receiving us. We appreciate that so very, very much. And also I'd like to make special mention tonight of Brother Reading from Indiana. He and his wife have come over to be in this camp. And I've grown to love and appreciate them. Also, Brother and Sister Roland Baker, I appreciate them coming and being here and their family in the camp meeting tonight. It's a joy to be a part of the great family of God. God bless you. You worship with Sister Christie.
everybody stand right now, would you? Praise God. Let's everybody in the building stand. Praise God. Thank you for your kind receptivity of the Word of the Lord night by night. And I appreciate you staying with us in the Word of the Lord. And I'll do my best again tonight to preach as fast as I can. And you still get the point. I want you to hear the Word of the Lord tonight. This is a great hour, but it's also a time of great peril. It is no time for the church of the living God to become nonchalant, careless, and laid back. We need to be aggressive over the things of God and over the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Jude. You may have a problem finding that because it is not a frequented book of the Bible. The book of Jude, and I'm glad that it's not often referred to. I'd also like to say how much I am thrilled to have opportunity to stand with these missionaries. I feel very unworthy to even stand on the platform with such men of God who commit their lives to propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ consisting of great sacrifice. And I certainly admire them and pray for them and intend to do all that I can as a pastor to direct funds and finances to world evangelism. When I say I believe in revival, I have already engaged myself with an unusual responsibility. I cannot say I believe in revival and not support it. I cannot say I believe there's going to be a revival and not do my very best to sponsor men to carry this gospel around the world. I believe there's going to be a move of God, and so we're going to do our very best in Raleigh, North Carolina, to support every missionary endeavor of the United Pentecostal Church. One verse of Scripture tonight out of the book of Jude. The book of Jude, and we'll read beginning with verse 19, and also, I guess we'll read 20 as well. The book of Jude, verse 19 and 20. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The theme of your camp meeting involves reviving, renewing, and rejoicing. And tonight we're going to talk about something I feel is very pertinent to the hour and something that is very desperate that we the people of God come to grip with in hours like this. From June 19 and 20, I preach to you tonight on the subject, the difference in being apostolic or apostate. The difference in being apostolic or apostate. I am very concerned tonight that this church that you and I are a part of never find ourselves listed in the book of Jude. We may be closer to it than we would want to realize. Therefore, I'm praying that the Holy Ghost will come into this tabernacle tonight and fan again the flames of apostolic revival. Would you lift your hands and let's pray for revival here tonight. Father, we pray for a demonstration of the Holy Ghost tonight. We pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. God, we pray for a move of Your power across this auditorium tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, breathe on us, Holy Ghost. We need it, Lord. And we're depending on it. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, God, in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and you may be seated. I'd ask you to help me tonight. If you understand what I'm saying, if you believe it, respond to the Word of the Lord. I'm sorry. I am 
pastor of a church that, as you heard, we began. Therefore, most of the people in are brand new converts, and I am a responsive preacher. I'm used to the audience at home responding. Tonight, I don't have enough voice to demand your response. And so I'm not going to try to demand your response. I will make bodily gestures, and I'll trust that you'll recognize enough truth to say amen and to worship God. We read tonight from a book of the Bible not often referred to. It is such a rare book that when I was a child, we used to play games with the new converts. We love to get the new converts and tell them to turn to the third chapter of the book of Jude. We enjoyed telling them in a sword drill to find Jude 5 and 4. It was a joy to watch them in their ignorance and yet in their sincerity began to thumb the Bible, trying to find the mystical pages of a book that doesn't exist. This book is said to be the Acts of the Apostates. It is the diary of the departed and the defaulted. It is absolutely no place for our movement, our local churches, or individuals to be associated with or enumerated. I came into this church as a young man with a red-hot revival burning. I pledge to Almighty God by the help of the Spirit that I will not give to my daughter and her generation anything less than what was given to me. I don't want my children, grandchildren, if God should tarry, being raised in dead, formalistic, ceremonial Pentecostalism. The word apostasy scares me to death. Scares us all. Brother Dees has talked about it time and time again during his discourses in the time of the day that we're in the hour of apostasy. The major stated deficiency of scriptural description is this. The Bible simply said in verse 19, having not the Spirit. That's all is said to describe apostates having not the Spirit. They are citizens of the society of the have-nots. But the book that we want to see duplicated and surpassed in this hour is the book that records the haves. Jude records the have-nots. Acts records the haves. It is the book of Acts, which is the book in our Bibles, which is probably the most destroyed book in our Bible. If there's any part of your Bible that's loose leaf and you don't have a loose leaf Bible, it's probably the book of Acts. Anybody here not know where the book of Acts is? One of our preachers was in a debate. And a man said, he's constantly quoting out of Acts. Reading out of Acts. He said, I wish he would get out of Acts. The preacher said, I'll gladly get out if you'll get in. Because the book of Acts is where you receive the experience. The epistles give the explanation. I'm glad we've got an experience that demands an explanation. I'm glad there's a what meaneth this in Pentecost. So the Bible book that we want to see duplicated is the Acts of the Apostles. Notice. I thought about it today while I was preparing. 
It says the Acts of the Apostles. Really, you know and I know, it's the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the Apostles. But I want you to know, it didn't say intentions of the Apostles. It didn't say conjugations of the Apostles. It didn't say meditations of the Apostles. It didn't say thoughts of the Apostles. The Apostles were men of action. I don't think it's time for God's church to be lazy. So I'd like to quickly here tonight give you a brief synopsis of a glorious, adventurous book of the Bible that is so filled with wonderful things happening because the Spirit was moving in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, emphasis is placed on being faithful. When they got ready to choose someone to take the place of the fallen Judas Iscariot, I want you to notice what they said about it. They said when they began to put their minds together to choose someone, they said it must be someone who has been with us all the time from the beginning of the baptism of John unto the same day that Jesus was taken up. The qualifications were clear and straight. I want to say to our young people that are here tonight, the qualification said, it's got to be somebody that's been with us all the time. And when they began to try to find somebody out of perhaps 500 or perhaps even a smaller number, 120, there were only two candidates. Let me tell you, young people, you don't have to backslide and come back to be a somebody in Pentecost. You don't have to have been a, a drug addict to have a powerful testimony. As a matter of fact, the heroes in Pentecost are the young people that have been raised in the church and have never gone away from God. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus fulfilled in a greater dimension what He had spoken to them about. The Bible said He breathed on them and said, Receive you the Spirit. At Pentecost, Jesus exhaled. He blew out. And at the rapture, He will inhale. At Pentecost, He exhaled. At the rapture, He will inhale. And everything that's got His breath in it is going to meet Him in the air. In Acts chapter 3, Peter saw the lame man and said, Look! And then there was a lift. And then there was a leap. And the man went into the temple rejoicing, dancing, and praising God. Why? He got his legs back. Amen. Thank you. I say if that man could leap in the temple just because he got some legs. I think we ought to leap in the temple because we've been saved from hell. In Acts chapter 4, I'm going to get ready to preach in a little bit. 5,000 Men were converted. Hey, Pastor, how'd you like to have a revival like that? You get the Holy Ghost moving, and you can have a revival like that. In Acts chapter 5, there's a revelation of God. Because in 5 and 3, Peter said you lied to the Holy Ghost. In 5 and 4, 
He said you lied to God. In 5 and 9, He said you lied to the Spirit of the Lord. Talking about God, the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit of the Lord doesn't bother us at all. Because we happen to know that these three are one. And in that same chapter, the Bible said Peter walked down the street. And as he did, his shadow fell on the sick that were around. And as his shadow touched them, they were miraculously healed of whatever disease they had. It takes two things to make a shadow. Number one is light. Number two is a person. And when you get light on the person of who Jesus is, you've got healing power. In Acts chapter 9, Saul was healed of bad breath because the Bible said he was breathing out threatenings. That's halitosis in the worst degree. But Jesus slapped him in the sand and gave him sweet breath because he filled him with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, the first Gentile, was ushered into God's kingdom. And one guy that didn't know much about the Bible said apparently God loves musicians because Cornelius was the captain of the band. And he was the first one that God gave the Holy Ghost to. In Acts chapter 12, Peter was asleep on a pallet of promise. And an angel had to kick him around a little bit to wake him up. And when they got outside the jail, Peter had to slap his cheeks and say, Is this real or am I dreaming? Can I tell you about a revival that God wants to send you that you'll have to slap your cheeks and say, Is this my church? Is this my church? Is this real or am I dreaming? In Acts chapter 16, we have the illustration for a model for apostolic concerts. Paul and Silas, the Jerusalem duet, began to sing in the cell, praise in the prison, joy in the jail. And the Bible said there was an earthquake and everybody's bands were loosed. I said it's alright to have concerts, but at the end of it, we ought to have a move of God. The jail house rocked. The king of rock may have wrote it or have written it. But let me tell you, the king who is the rock did it. In 17 of Acts, there's a declaration of the unknown God. And His name is Jesus. And in the book of Acts goes on. Missionary journeys, miracles, revivals, churches established. 28 chapters. No end to the book. Jesus is next seen walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That's the book of Acts where the Holy Ghost is moving. Twenty-eight chapters. No end to it. But when we get to the book of Jude, one chapter. That's all. You know why? If the Holy Ghost is not there, there just ain't much that happens that's worth writing about. Woo! Hallelujah! The Bible said in the book of Genesis, the Spirit of God moved. And then, God said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. There is nothing good until the Spirit moves. 
You can throw the organ out, and we can still have church. Throw the piano out, and still have church. Card up the drums, and sell them at the Salvation Army, and still have church. Fill the carpet up, still have church. Get rid of the air conditioning, still have church. Take the pews out, still have church. But the first time we come in, and the Holy Ghost is not there, it's over. I said the difference in being apostolic and apostate is a move of the Spirit. Pentecostals, we must not learn how to have church without God. How to have camp meeting without God. How to have revival without God. We need a move of God. We need a move of God. Here a while back in Raleigh, the men that meet with me before service came in and said, Brother Huntley, they're getting with it in the prayer room tonight. It's hot. I said, great. We came out to start service. They were running the aisle, shouting, dancing in the Spirit. People were already receiving the Holy Ghost. People were already being healed. And so we just started a chorus and let it go. About 30 minutes later, we settled them down. Started looking at the results of what the Spirit had done. Hear me tonight, church. We cannot finish in the flesh what the early church started in the Spirit. It's in Him. That we move, we live, we move, we live, and we have our very being. And I had noticed a little lethargy in our congregation. So I said, oh yes, this is it. There were some folks that hadn't even got there yet. I said, you may be seated. They sat down. I said, come ushers, let's receive our offering. We received the offering. When they got out of sight, I said, let's all stand. God bless you for being here tonight. Father, we thank you for this great move of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the souls that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for people who have been baptized. Thank you, Jesus, for this great service. And you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a good evening. God bless you. The group back there that came for the show was disappointed. The group that came for the performance was really upset. I said, hear me. We're not playing church here. And when the Holy Ghost is through, I'm through. We're apostolic. We're apostolic. Throw the program down. Let the Holy Ghost move. Woo! We need a move of the Holy Ghost. That's the only thing that's going to keep us out of the book of Jude. Woo! You may be seated. I saw them. I heard them. I felt them. Where's the preaching? Where's the choir? 
don't come for the band. And we don't come for the preacher to entertain us. We've already heard enough preaching to save the world a hundred times. And some of the folks that want to hear it the most obey it the least. In other words, it's a ceremony. In other words, it's just a program. In other words, it's just a ritual. If it doesn't change your life, if it doesn't impact you, if it doesn't influence you, it's just a program. Immediately, when somebody leaves the church, we began our apostate analysis. Concerned pastors began to scrutinize and examine and even perform spiritual autopsies to try to determine what caused this spiritual death. Every concerned pastor does that. And he spends hours in prayer wondering, did I do all I could do? I don't care how mean they are, how vile they are, how ugly they are, how ridiculous they are. If the pastor is as God would have him to be, he's going to go cry over them and say, God, did I really do all I could do? But you know what? Rarely in my brief pastoral experience have I ever seen anybody leave the church and say, it's me speaking of themselves. I'm the problem. It's usually the leadership, the standards, the message, somebody in the congregation, some of the programs in the church. But do you folks in Ohio believe the Bible? I say, do you believe the Bible? Saints, do you believe the Bible? Then you've got to believe it when it said, These be they who separate themselves. They are sensual and they have not the Spirit. I'm tired of pastors kicking themselves. And I'm tired of some half lukewarm saints helping the pastor get kicked. If you was a better pastor, we would lose all these folks. If you were a little more caring, a little more concerned, I don't think all these people would be leaving. You think what you want to think, I'm going to believe the Bible. And it said if they leave, they're sensual, and they don't have the Spirit. The true answer to apostasy is not more fellowships. Not more socials. Not more ball games. Not more charted bus tours. Not more retreats. Not more gimmickry and gadgets. The answer is to be filled by and to walk in the Holy Ghost. If anybody makes it from earth to heaven, it'll be by and through and because of the power of the indwelling Christ. Mama can't take you. Pastor can't take you. Youth leader can't take you. Grandma can't take you. The power of God resident in your life. And furthermore, you can't talk tobacco out of people's lives. You can't talk philosophy and get lust out of them. And furthermore, you can't entertain the world out of them. There ain't but one thing going to change people's life. 
And that's a tongue talking. Holy Ghost baptism. That's all. That's all. Ooh, I can't wait to tell you this. The disciples walked with him for three and a half years. Saw him break bread and feed multitudes. Saw him walk on water. Saw him raise dead. Saw him cleanse the lepers. Saw him stop funeral processions. And yet, Jesus said, In that day, ye shall know that I am in the Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. What three and a half years of personal schooling at the feet of Jesus could not accomplish. Five minutes of talking in tongues did. Because Jesus was talking about the day of Pentecost. And He said, you don't know it now. You can't understand it now. But when the Holy Ghost comes, you'll know it. i tell you what we need. A few less rap sessions and a few more prayer sessions. You say, please explain this to me. Please make me understand this. Please show me the logic on that. Please help me to understand. I ain't going to help you understand nothing. Go to the altar and stay there until you talk in tongues and I'll think you'll know all about it. When I was an evangelist, we went to a home to preach a revival for a pastor that we'd never met before. As far as being in his home, he'd invite us to come. We knocked on the door on that first morning to start revival. The door swung open. Pastor's son, who was just about four or five years old, stepped out on the porch and he bent over very gentleman-like and bowed to us, welcomed us to the house, and here's what he said. Welcome to the clubhouse. We praise God and we play golf. This young man proved to be quite an interesting little fellow. Sister Huntley was carrying Christie at that time, and she was near the point of deliverance. And there was a, a country song going around then about West Virginia. And one line said something about Mountain Mama. And he turned to Sister Huntley and he said, You're the Mountain Mama. Give you an idea who this fellow is here so you can understand the point I'm about to make. His parents had him sitting on the front row. You know, they were fully aware of him and his gimmickry. And he had been well tutored what to do and what not to do in church. He had a pair of these large, exotic sunglasses. Finding game stores and places and didn't have any lens in them, you know. They were huge. He was on the front row, and I was getting ready to give an altar call. His mom and dad had told him any time he had to be excused to be very careful and quiet when he left. So to be in full obedience, he's on the front row. He turns, starts down the middle aisle. He's got his glasses on. And he goes down the aisle like this. He didn't want to disturb anything. If that would have been Corliss or Reggie, what would you have done, Sister Dees? 
God have mercy. That have probably been standing for a few days. One night after church, we went home, and his mom and dad walked to his bedroom. They were standing out in the hall. He went into the darkened room. The lights were not on at all. He walked into the darkened room, and they heard him outside, and this is what he said. He said, all right, Jesus. He said, I know you're in here. I mean, he knew the book. He knew the omniscience of God. He said, all right, Jesus, I know you're in here. He said, but don't you move. He said, because if you move, it will scare me to death. I've been very disturbed lately because I've preached in a lot of places and I see the saints coming in. All right, Jesus. We know you're here. We know you're here. But don't you move and I scare us to death. If you move, I want there to come a cry out of Ohio tonight that says, Jesus, please move. We're not afraid of a move of God. We're not afraid of a move of God. Woo! We're not afraid of shouting. We're not afraid of the gifts. We're not afraid of the power. We're not afraid of deliverance. Come on, Jesus. Move! Move in our midst! I want a move of God! I want a move of God! Woo! I want a move of God! Thank you for your response. You may be seated just a minute. I don't mean to be unruly. I don't mean to be unthankful. And I sure don't ever want to be a smart aleck. But I've been in some meetings, Brother D's, lately. Some places where, believe me, either I am totally backslid and totally numb, or God wasn't there. And, and right in the middle of service, service leaders would say, Woo! Isn't God here tonight? And I thought, Where? If He's here, where is He? Somebody show me. There's a lot of folks that are playing games. Maybe one tear over here and one tear over there and one little quiver of some precious saint of God. And they say, my, we're having a move of God. Folks, that's not how this started. It started with all. A-L-L. Being filled and acting like they were drunk. That's Pentecost. And I like it like that. I like people getting the Holy Ghost back at the pew. I like folks getting healed during song service. I like people being delivered while we're praying. Woo! 
But to my knowledge, if they're not of us, there's only a few that's like us. Because if they're like us, Paul said they'd be with us. A lot of folks run around saying, oh, we're just like you. Oh, we're just like you. Oh, we're just like you. Well, then, why aren't you in our fellowship? If you're just like us. But I have visited some of their camp meetings. I'm talking about groups that used to shout and sing, run the aisles, dance the Spirit, have the gifts of the Spirit. Men of God be preaching in the pulpit and be slain in the Spirit and fall out. Thirty minutes later, get up and finish their message. If that happened to me tonight, some folks probably call a rescue squad. Brother Honey preached himself to death. Had to be a heart attack. They'd preach until folks in the building would jump up and receive the Holy Ghost standing back there. Annoying. I listened to Brother Shara and Brother Dees and those guys talking about the old days of camp meeting. That's where it all happened. And then I thought, well, here we are in camp meeting. God, oh God, we got music out of this world. I love it. We got singing out of this world. We've got class out of this world. We've got programs out of this world. We know how to do it. We've got it together. But that's the road to apostasy if you don't have the power of the Spirit. Everybody said hallelujah. I don't want the Pentecostals to end up in Jude. And the only thing that's going to keep us out is a move of God in the church. We need to quit making fun of our shouters. I said we need to quit making fun of the aisle runners. tonight. Give us a move of the Holy Ghost. Don't let us be apostates. Help us to be apostolic.
Oh God, we want to be apostolic and not apostate. Just telling you, Chris, to come on up. I'll stop at a convenient point. You may be seated. There are some folks here tonight that could shout all night long and it would hardly affect this congregation. Such as new converts. Folks just say, well, they always do that. And don't ever let me grow up. If growing up is learning to come to church and look like a Missouri mule eating sawbriars, I hope I'm retarded the rest of my life. But I want to show you something. Isaiah chapter 6. The Bible said in verse 4. When Isaiah got a vision of the Lord. He said the earth is full of His glory. And then it said. The post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the next thing that happened was the house was filled with holy smoke. Some folks shout, nothing happens. But if the post which are the pillars of the temple. The folks who hold this thing up. The folks who are the backbone. The folks who are the foundation. When the pope starts moving, holy smoke's coming. Some 
folks at Pentecost are just about as denominationalized as anybody in the world. Because they're always bragging about June the 4th, 1947. What a day. God gave me the Holy Ghost. Blow the dust off their Holy Ghost certificate. That's when I got it. You talk about you way back there if you want to. But I got it today. I'm going to get it tonight. If you started to, you'd probably bite your tongue. And you say you got it. Hear me? It's not the sugar. Come on now. It's not the sugar that sweetens the tea. Put all in there you want to put. You won't be sweet. Get it that deep in sugar. Still won't be sweet. It's not the sugar that sweetens the tea, but it's the stirring. Oh! 